Hello and welcome to the Forbes India cover story podcast series in association with theindicast.com. My name is Abhishek and to quote the central idea of the cover story this time, investors brace themselves as India's markets head towards bear territory. Uh, the last few months and indeed weeks have been quite eventful. Uh, currency fluctuations, stock markets have moved up and down, mostly down. Uh, foreign investors taking money out in droves and a lot more. Joining me to talk about a very interesting cover in this context is its author, Samar Srivastava. Hi, Samar. Always fun talking to you. Thank you, Abhishek. You mentioned bear in that rubric or, or that uh, central idea. How long did the bull run last and has it indeed ended? What, what do the experts think? What did you find out? The bull run began, if I remember correctly, the moment Modi was announced as the prime ministerial candidate. And, you know, you can argue that that was a premature start to it. But if you look back at the numbers, that's when it really began in September of 2013. And the markets gradually every month kept moving up, kept moving up. Uh, You had some interruptions along the way most notably in January, February of 2016 and uh, in November of 2016 when the government demonetized high-value currency notes. But short of that, markets just kept moving up. They kept shrugging every earnings disappointment. They kept shrugging away all the bad news that we had over the last four years. And you reached a stage where they peaked out in January of 2018. Now, After January of 2018, while the mainline indices, the Sensex and the Nifty may not have corrected a lot, the mid cap and the small cap indexes are down uh, 20% and 30% respectively. When you look at the broader markets, prices will definitely tell you that it's a bear market. Stocks are down anywhere between 30, 40, 50%. But if you look at large cap stocks, They haven't fallen as much, but now there are enough indications to suggest that there is a high probability that they will also fall. What explains uh, what has happened in the last few months? Uh, Rupee uh, was among the worst performing Asian currencies. Every second day you have notifications talking about another fall in the rupee. The oil prices have been up far more than they were two years back. Uh, Then there are threat between China, America, trade wars. Of course, there are lots of angles, but what's happening and how is India in the midst of all all of it? So the factors that you mentioned, the rupee decline, the rising oil prices, the trade wars, etc., etc., are all like the causes for why the decline took place. But if you look at the symptoms, they've been building up for a while. And the number one reason for the decline really is that the markets rose much faster than companies grew their earnings. And so you had a situation where for the last four years, valuations kept expanding and investors kept believing that company earnings at some point would catch up. Now, two things can happen. Valuations can keep expanding. But if company earnings don't catch up, the moment there's a whiff of bad news, investors will sell will sell whatever stock they own. And that's exactly what happened. So you had a situation where from August 2013, when the Nifty PE was roughly at 16, the Nifty PE went all the way up to 26. And history has shown that whenever we reach a price earnings multiple of 26 or above, it doesn't really sustain. It could sustain for a month or two. It could even sustain for six months. But it never sustains in the long run. So earnings always have to catch up. Very clearly, they didn't catch up this time. So 
when you had bad news that piled up, um, you know, oil prices went up as a result of which our current account deficit expanded, as a result of which there was foreign investors started pulling out, as a result of which there was pressure on the rupee. So these are all, you know, causes that caused the market tumble. But the fundamental problem is lack of earnings had been building up for the last four years. And it's just that the other bad news now caused the fall. The other bad news, there are quite a few of them, but one that stands right on top is uh, the fiasco with the NBFCs, non-banking financial, uh, some of those, the shadow banks, the biggest one being IL and FS. You touch upon it uh, a little bit in, in, in the story. How, how big an impact does that kind of news have? Because although it's it's a you know sweeping statement to compare it with what happened in the US about 10 years back, but there were signs of similarities where the government had to step in to uh, with a rescue package otherwise you had your pension funds and insurers and banks who are exposed to it right so, so the similarities are very few i think the in the us you had a housing crisis which resulted in the in the underlying mortgages going bad and because those mortgages had been widely dispersed the world over there was a contagion uh, with regard to what happened here the problem was far more localized, and I don't think it has the potential to get even half as big. But what happened was that ILNFS, which is a lender that lends merely for infrastructure assets, suddenly realized that they couldn't meet their interest obligations, and the market got spooked because ILNFS was seen as a quasi-government entity, although it's not, and they thought that its debt would be guaranteed by the government. The government refused to step in. So what happened as a result of this was markets froze, and nobody wanted to then finance these shadow banks because if you can't be sure of the interest payouts, you don't want to finance the shadow banks. And that's exactly what happened. Funding to the shadow banks froze. Now, the reason why this could get challenging for the economy is, is because shadow banks funded everything from personal loans to car loans to home loans over the last five years they manage to grow faster than regular banks which take deposits. And if they aren't able to continue to raise funds, um, you know, then credit to various forms of the economy will get hit. As a result of which, there could be some slowdown in growth. So which is why this issue is a little worrisome and one needs to watch on it. But it's nowhere close to, you know, the, the financial crisis that the world went through in 2008. This is far more localized. Right, that's it. So when you say localized... Uh you have small and medium enterprises who would go to these shadow banks to uh, seek loans. Now, uh, the borrowing costs might uh, increase given that investors, you said they're spooked, so they, they would like to see a higher premium on their investments in these banks. So you, you have that as a, a cascading effect where one big player goes down and it, it it's like one, one bad egg causes the whole bunch to go stay. That is correct, but all that will result in is less credit and so credit costs will rise. But I think an economy like India can handle, you know, 100 basis points hike in loan rates. Sure, I mean, businesses will slow, growth will slow, but I don't think it's catastrophic. I don't think growth will collapse. You you write that this lack of credit may dent the economy by 1%, if that if I remember the figure correctly from your cover. Right. So I spoke to various people and some believe that given that consumer spending makes up two thirds of GDP growth in India, there could be a one percentage point dent if credit doesn't flow to consumers. But, you know, others said that and I've mentioned that in the story that it's a little hard to localize 
the causes for growth and the causes for a fall in growth. And so, you know, if, if growth in consumer loans falls, uh, you could have some other part of the economy that picks up the slack. So there could be some impact on growth at the margins. And this festive season is not looking good. But there's nothing to suggest that other parts of the economy can't pick up the slack. Right. This is not covered in the story, but just if you could touch upon this, did RBI's response uh, uh, stump you after the, the recent uh, monetary policy review that they had? They did not raise the interest rate to support the currency as many experts had thought. Well, the RBI is very clearly just sticking to its mandate, which says that consumer price inflation must be in a band of 4% plus minus 2%. And as long as consumer price inflation does not overshoot the band either on the upside or on the underside, they will do nothing. I think they were very clear that their mandate is not to defend the currency. And so they will not increase interest rates to defend the currency. That being said, if rising fuel prices, if the depreciation in the rupee does fuel consumer price inflation in the months to come, the RBI would have no option but to stick to its mandate and raise rates. So I think uh, everybody expects a rate hike in December and we'll have, I think, two rounds of consumer uh, price inflation numbers before that. And if they're surprised on the upside, the RBI will have no option but to raise rates. Right. And what is happening right now? Is it a correction or is it necessarily a bad thing that we, we were over enthused with uh, you know, the stock market valuations or we were blessed with lower fuel prices, which helped in, in the overall scheme of things. So how bad is the situation here? Well, I think Indian markets and emerging markets will be under pressure, primarily because interest rates in the U.S. are rising. And as liquidity moves back to the U.S., valuations here will be questioned and people will wonder whether they should be paying 50, 60 PE for consumer stocks in India or if they should be even paying a 20 PE for other stocks. I think we have a fair amount to go on the downside. And I also think that the elections or the run up to the elections could see a lot of market nervousness. So are we heading to bear market territory? I think even on the Sensex and the Nifty, the mainline indices, we should definitely see 30,000 sometime between now and May 2019. It's tough to predict when, but I'm sure we'll get there at some point. Great. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Summer, for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, Abhishek, for having me. Thank you. And all your listeners, uh, you know the drill. You can get this podcast on ForbesIndia.com and on iTunes. And to have someone call you for a Forbes India subscription, message Forbes to 51818.